0: everyone welcome to another episode of high and wide radio i'm your host angry jim here as always with jack and kyle tonight we have a very special guest from broad street hockey and bsh radio
1: uh bill mats bill how are you i'm great great to be here guys glad to glad to be talking about a, a maybe a pretty good team right
0: hell yeah i mean four and on the, the past week they beat four pretty damn good teams uh in the canes habs leafs bruins we're going to break down all the games um Let's let's start with the Canes. I mean, you know, the game seems like forever ago now. But you know, what did you see in in that in that game in in the four to one win that you know kind of showed that the Flyers maybe could have been turning a
1: corner a little bit? Yeah, the the Canes game. I I thought it was the beginning of something because of the way they really battled in that game. It was very obvious for the first two periods. I thought that the Hurricanes were just the faster team, team with more chemistry, they have been with their coach longer, just some more continuity there. And they were taking it to the Flyers in terms of driving play, uh, scoring chances, everything. But Carter Hart, man, Carter Hart stood on his head and gave the team a chance to win it in the third period. They didn't let getting out played uh, really get to them, didn't let it snowball. And because of that, they had a chance to just go out and win one 20-minute period, and they did.
0: Absolutely, and, and Jack and Kyle, what did you guys see in in that Canes game? Uh, you know that that really showed the Flyers are, you know, are they're not the seven, the one team that we saw against Pittsburgh.
2: Well, uh, f- first thing that comes to mind is really just the goaltending, weathering the storm long enough to keep the Flyers in games. It uh, seems like the offense is there, uh, but yeah, normally we'd be looking at a game like this the way it went, the way the chances were, how fast Carolina is, and just how better of a team we at least thought they were until we played them and we'll still see with the rest of the season but yeah usually they they get at least one or two and then the whole flyers they just lose all sorts of confidence and the game kind of snowballs like Bill was saying but I think Carter Hart being in there to weather that storm kept him in long enough and yeah they just had to win one period and they really took off in the third and it beat a what we thought was a much better team than them so it was a hell of a start to the week
0: yeah Kyle before uh, I lay talk here. I just want to remind you of Kyle's keys. Limit Carolina's speed through the neutral zone. Uh, the JVR Giroux farabee line and Carter Hart needs to be sharp against Carolina because they're going to get their chances.
2: Yeah, I mean.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, listen. It's a no-brainer with Carolina's speed that you got to shut them down in the neutral zone. They really didn't shut them down in the first period in the neutral zone, and it took about half the second, but the adjustment was finally made. They started cutting Carolina's speed in half, not allowing them to skate blue line to blue line and just blow by them coming in over the uh, our blue line, and... Once they finally did that, you really started seeing things click. Once they shut them down, they got the puck back, they got it moving forward again, and then we developed speed through the neutral zone going the opposite way because it was kind of like a curveball back to Carolina.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So uh, in that game, uh, Joel Farabee scored his second goal of the year. Uh, Claude Giroux had a goal and assist. Uh, I believe Couturier had a goal. Uh, and who else? Somebody else had one. And, TK. and TK, TK scored again. So, uh, you know, guys contributing all up and down the lineup. Guys like Tyler Pitlick and, and Philip Myers had assists on the, the fourth goal. Um, so Flyers got out to... I'm sorry, they, they scored three goals in the third period to, to come away with the victory. Um, solid win. Uh, I would say going into that game, uh, I, not that there's any must-win games, but I think, you know... Going into the weekend, having to face Toronto and Boston, that was one of the games that I really thought they had to get two points out of it. It was a home game uh, you know, against a division rival, and, and they did. So uh, heading into the next game against uh, Montreal, uh, another game in which I thought they needed to get two points heading into the weekend. Uh, Bill, do you want to talk about the, the Montreal game a little bit?
1: Yeah, it was uh you know Carter Hart again gets to go up against his uh childhood hero as they mentioned a couple times on the broadcast. Carey Price, he hadn't beaten him yet. And after uh, after the Carolina game, I I said in my post game um I liked the way they battled in Carolina. I liked the way they fought through, but I did not want to see that same recipe of just uh kind of weathering it, getting through it and then hoping to win it at the end uh like they did in after the first five or so minutes, I thought the Flyers really controlled play. Uh, ended up outshooting Montreal, what was it 43-24? So just a hell of a performance. And you know, it started the Phil Myers goal streak, which has been a lot of fun. And it's uh, I just think this game was a better a better encapsulation of what the Flyers really could be in terms of not only scoring and winning, but controlling the play and making sure the other team doesn't have a chance to uh, to steal it from them, especially early.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, in in this game and, and in parts of the other games, I mean, the Flyers, they've dominated periods against pretty good teams. And I think against Montreal, for, for the better part of that game, I think they dominated. They just couldn't get a third one past uh, Carey Price, who made some phenomenal saves. And then go figure the one that beats him in overtime kind of just slips past and trickles through for the game winner for Coots. But I'd say all all around effort in that game. I was extremely pleased with what I saw. Um, Jack, what what did you see in that game? No, I I definitely agree with that. I think that score could have been
2: a lot better had Carey Price not been on his A game. Uh, The one thing I see with these next three games, which is a little concerning, is is they were all up 2 nothing in all these games, and they all wound up in extra hockey. Flyers got a win in all of them, so you can't complain too much, but it's definitely not a recipe for success. However, there in all these games, there was p- large portions of the games where they looked like the better team, and they were just firing away. Just Just couldn't get that extra go-ahead goal to win it in regulation, but this is when they started to look really strong. And I, before this week... We had to be coming off that loss to the Islanders, that shellacking by Pittsburgh. Nobody was impressed with the Devils win. They had, I don't want to say they blew, blew a lead, but they did kind of blow a lead against Toronto and then went 12 rounds in the shootout. and You know, we didn't have the highest of hopes. I thought they were going to go like 1-3, one, 1-3, one maybe 1-2-1. and one. And after they beat Montreal, it's like, well, I can see them taking one from Toronto or Boston now. They're just playing so well. And it's, it's a lot of the young kids, like, heart's been fantastic therapy Myers goal streak like things are really starting to pick up and drew's looking good now so it was after this Montreal game I was like we might have a pretty good weekend on our hands here let's see what happens and yeah this just showed that they were just starting to play so much better together the defense has not had these glaring mistakes there's been a few but not nearly as as many and we're not giving up a whole lot of goals either which has really been fantastic
0: absolutely and and Kyle real quick because I went back and, and looked up Kyle's keys for each game over here. And, you know, Jack just mentioned uh, they're not giving up a lot of goals. Your number one key for the Montreal game was what? Do you remember? It was Carter Hart. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you, do you guys remember that little streak? I think it was like maybe three games, something like that, where, you know, everyone's like, okay, well, this is what, you know, this is going to be the sophomore slump year. And I'm one of those guys. I'm still kind of tempering my expectations. You know, it is, you know, it's just as much as it could have been, um, you know, a bad three-game stretch, he could be having a good good three-game stretch here. I will say, he looks like the, the old Carter Hart. He doesn't look out of sorts in his crease or anything like that. Um, so before I go on with any more of that, Kyle, you want to assess your keys to that game?
3: I thought they played a great game against Montreal. The biggest glaring thing, not addressing my keys right off the bat, the the biggest thing that I was concerned with in the Montreal game is they had seven power plays and didn't score once. Uh, Granted, Granted, Carey Price was absolutely standing on his head that game, but at the same time, that's unacceptable to me. You are a professional NHL team. You need to bury at least two of seven, but you got none, and that is a concern of mine.
0: Wow, Kyle being all negative tonight, negative Nancy. I'm
3: not being negative. (laughs) I'm just saying it's a concern.
0: (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I actually completely forgot about that. Yeah, and and during the game, it, it kind of felt like one of those games where like, damn, they're getting all these power play opportunities. They can't put one in. And it looks like Carey Price is not going to allow another goal. You're kind of just like, man, I hope they can get to overtime and get a point out of this. And then before you know it, Coots is squeaking one past Carey Price. Um, so I completely agree with that. I forgot they had seven power plays in that game, and they they didn't give up a power play. I don't think either, right?
3: I, I think no, they, they didn't have a single penalty. A
0: clean
1: game, yeah, that's pretty rare.
0: Um, and
1: had they lost that one, like that's a huge issue. Uh, I always say like. Power plays uh, are like power hitters in baseball. When they're hot, they're hot. When they're cold, it's Ryan Howard chasing a slider in the dirt, and everyone at home is like, I knew to lay off that one. Uh, if, <laughs> if if they go on to lose that game as well as they played, the power play is a huge concern, but they're still top ten in home power play percentage. they got to figure out what's going on on the road on power play. I that's a bigger issue right now. But, yeah, the, that was abs- – as much as I just want to brush it off and go one game, if they lose, that's all I would have talked about in my postgame. I just would have screamed about how bad the power play was. You have to be able to score on 1-6 or 1-7, whatever the hell it was.
0: No doubt. You know everybody be talking about that until the, until the next game, Toronto or whatever. So for them to come away with that win, everybody forgot about that. So that's, that's a good point for you to um, bring up there, Kyle. I completely forgot. But, I, that's what winning will do to you, I guess, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Turn turned, turned him negative and me positive. I didn't see that coming.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, so my, okay. other, my other two keys uh, capitalized on odd man rushes. I knew we were going to get him against Montreal. They play... Um, a very forward game, which tends to lead to odd man rushes. I'm pretty sure I was keeping count with you guys. They were 0 for 6 on odd man rushes, just on my count. Oh yeah. And that doesn't include, they did not capitalize on odd man rushes. My other key was connect me, Coots and Limblom, Connect me with the primary assist on Kootz's overtime winner. I'll take that one.
0: <laughs> I'll take that shit too, hell yeah, all day. That was a, I mean, that's a big win. I mean, the way Carey Price was playing in that game, I... Last year, that team probably would have lost. Easily would have lost that game. You give up, you know, you're 0 for 7 on the power play. Uh, Carey Price is making 40 saves. Easily a loss for that for last year's team. This year, yeah, they came away with two points.
2: And I, well, this
0: whole weekend
2: blows my mind. Just to be up three times 2 nothing, which is the worst lead in hockey, and when you consider it's this team who gives up all last year, all they did was give up leads, to block, to somehow find a way to win all three of those games was impressive within its own right.
0: Oh, yeah. Because while they were up, it didn't look like they were comfortable being up 2 nothing, and they were sitting back or anything. It, they just, you know, they played a hot goalie, Carey Price, I mean, they didn't play slouches, you know. That, you know, they had Price, they have uh, Anderson, and then obviously Halak. I mean, he's not Tuca Rask, but he's no slouch either. Um, you ask anyone in Boston, he's better than uh, Tuca Rask. Oh yeah, I remember that last out year. Of here. That really? <laughs> they just hate him. They just
2: really, really hate him. Why I don't know they? why. They have always hated. They destroy Rask
1: up there. It's unbelievable. Huh. I mean, I, I honestly think it goes back to 2010. Like, if they put Tim Thomas in in that series at any point, the Flyers don't come back. So, like, I get that, but the dude's been pretty awesome ever since. Yeah,
2: yeah no, they're just, it's like how we are with certain players we hate. They just yeah. put everything on the goalie. And he's right. Like, yeah, we beat Rask next year. We They did sweep us, and then they went on to win the cup with Tim Thomas. So I'm sure if that's, like, embedded in their minds.
0: Oh, so so Rask wasn't the goalie when they won the cup?
2: No, it was Thomas. Wow,
0: I didn't, I didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. Thomas was almost a flyer. And oh. those rumors were all over the place. I never knew that about Rask. I know he's got he's got some off-ice stuff going on, but I, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know Boston didn't like him up there.
2: Shit.
1: You could have traded him down
2: all here. All they do is win. They They can't appreciate anything.
1: That damn city. <laughs> Yeah, anyone who doesn't come away with, like, six championships,
2: they just think is a bone. <laughs> yeah, trash heap, you know? Sorry. It must be nice.
1: You guys ever yeah, been up right. to
0: Boston for anything?
1: I haven't, not yet. I was up there for the Winter Classic at Fenway. It was freaking incredible. That's right. I was up there for that, too. What would you think of the city? Uh, I mean, you know, it's... I always, like... Obviously, Boston's a rival of ours. Uh, I just always have felt like a kinship with Boston because they're not New York. They're this East coast city that loves sports as much as we do. And they're not New York. They don't get to choose between two or three teams in every sport. Yeah. It's not their fault that all their teams just started winning in 2000 and never stopped. Uh, so I, obviously it sucks because it's not us, but I always kind of just uh, like the people up there. I think they're a lot like us.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I can yeah. They're, they're us with, with a funny accent,
2: you know, other yeah. than that, we, ha- we hate all the same other teams. <laughs>
0: Who's going to be the one to do the accent? Nobody. We'll do it later. (laughs) All right. All right. So let's get to the Toronto game. Another 3-2 shootout win here. Uh, Another two-goal lead uh, in the first period. Uh, Unable to score again for the rest of the game. Um, How do you guys think they look? Bill, we could start with you. What did you see in the Toronto game that you really liked?
1: Uh, I really like that they got off to the fast start. You know, they have the two first-period goals. They uh, obviously um, looked much better than in the game that they lost to Toronto, uh, I thought. uh, Just controlled their speed better, bottled them up. I think um, even with Tavares coming back, losing Marner, the Flyers were kind uh, kind of fortunate there. Um. You again. You hate to see them blow the lead, but to me, it just always comes down to more score more than two goals. You get two in the first period, and then that's it until you win the shootout. It, it's starting to get to the point for me. I really do not at all want to break up the top line of uh, of Katori, Limblom, and Konechny. But watching how this these games have all followed the same script these last three can they distribute the scoring a little bit more so it's not just top-line produces and then we're kind of waiting to see if any of the depth comes along. But again, it's hard to argue. uh, You know, Flyers do get outshot in that game, but I think that was more um, Toronto making their comeback and everything. I thought they bottled them up pretty well for most of the game. And I think this is just building blocks. They're just getting these Ws, banking the two points, and setting themselves up to... Continue to get better they're learning on the fly chemistry and all that but also getting two points out of it And I think it's huge.
0: That's a great point by you um, You mentioned possibly splitting up that line uh, If you were the coach what how would you split them up? What, what kind of lines would you like to see top two or three lines?
1: That's I, I'm so high. I, I really don't want to break up this line. I'm so high on the idea of um, Farabee and Giroux with Kevin Hayes that oh. it's just it's just hard to come up with three lines mm-hmm. as long as they don't have a third center right now that isn't Claude Giroux. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you do put Giroux up on the back with Couturier, but instead of bumping Limblom off, you bump Konechny off. Maybe you know they've tried moving Konechny down in the past to see if he can carry his own line. He wasn't able to. In the past, but maybe now he's finally that guy. There's only one way to find out. Maybe you put him with a uh, with a Kevin Hayes to try to get that line moving a little bit. I, I'm not sure what the right combinations are until they get Nolan Patrick back or until they call up Morgan Frost to take up that third center spot.
0: That's interesting. Do you think calling Morgan Frost up is a real possibility at some point this season?
1: I think at some point this season, it's definitely a possibility. I wonder if they're going to do it to fill a need and put that kind of pressure on him versus like, all right, he's just ready. Bring him up like Giroux. Uh, Giroux came up a little after Christmas when he got his call up. I could see something like that happening for the Flyers. But the fact that they're keeping him at center, even though they know they have Nolan Patrick, uh, well, they knew at least they thought they had Nolan Patrick, and they know they just gave seven years to Kevin Hayes, they're keeping Morgan Frost at center. If they were dying to get him up, they all right, he's just got all the skill in the world. Let's move him over to wing, let him figure that out for two weeks and call him up. They're not doing that with him. They're keeping him at his natural position. Obviously, they see the potential there for him, but I, I don't know if it's going to be as soon as we all want it to be just because... Uh, they haven't done it yet. If they were, if they really needed to, like the guy's got, I don't remember the exact total, but I'm, he's at around the point of game for the Phantoms. He's killing it in terms of at least producing points. So if they were dying to get him up here, he'd be here. The fact that he isn't yet makes me think it's going to be a little wait. But by the end of the year, I fully expect him to be part of this lineup.
0: I think that's a really interesting point by you right there, because, you know, if if they were going to bring him up for a wing spot, you would think they'd have him playing the wing with the Phantoms. But maybe, you know, to your point there, maybe they know that they have a need at center. And, they you know, at some point, maybe they need to call him up. That's a really interesting point uh, you brought up right there, Bill. Um, Jack, what would you see in the Leafs game, man? No, I mean, everything
2: Bill is exactly... Well, I couldn't agree more. Uh, they did definitely get house shot, but I do believe that was a lot of the comeback. Just the thing that stuck out to me was these These are the kind of games that would slip away from them last year, for sure. And not only to get it to overtime, but to come away with the win. You know, Elliot was just fantastic. And I just, I just started, I think, was this the first? No. This was the second game with uh, Meyer scoring again. Like, yep. it, just, it just looks fantastic. But really what, what I wanted to talk about was – some of the, you know, the center depth because of that, that line that Bill had said with Farabee and Giroux, and, you know, um, Hayes. Like, that's the exact line I want to see at this point. But you were missing that center. And I do find it. I was going to say about Frost. Like, you, we've seen a lot of movement. We've seen Vorobiev twice, Tarwinsky twice. We saw Bunneman, we saw Rupstov, but we haven't seen Frost yet. So it just, oh. it just seems like they, they're waiting for something like almost a necessity. So it makes me think we're not going to see him. And yeah, that was about my timeline too, December, January. But I almost, I don't know if they're waiting to see something on uh, Nolan Patrick before they make that decision. Because I really would like to see them open that that you know that those two lines, you know, the TK line and then that Giroux Farabee line. I mean, that'd be fantastic. We'll let the other guys figure it out at that point. But I, I don't, unless they start losing or start racking up injuries, I don't see anything it you know happening immediately.
0: Or anytime soon,
2: really. No.
0: Kyle, what stood out to you in the game against Toronto?
3: You know, I I I believe we were texting back and forth in the first period, and I I texted to you guys. I'm like, man, this really feels like a turning point. The way they controlled that first period, I'm like, oh boy, we may be on to something. And then they kind of fell apart a little bit, like halfway through the second, and then the third was pretty much all Toronto. And I'm like, Ugh, this is not what I want to see. But if they can figure out a way to sustain that first period through that entire game, they win that game in regulation by four or five goals.
0: There's no doubt. I mean, can I can I just bring somebody up here that, you know, for the his entire career as a flyer i haven't really liked him and you know i have a used to have a hard time giving him credit and things like that can we just talk about brian elliott a little bit he had 38 saves in that game i mean you know heading into the season and and i'm one of those people you know if he's getting too much playing time even when hart was struggling and they're playing brian elliott i'm like oh man he's gonna whatever he tore he's gonna tear again or he's getting old blah 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 dude how good does brian elliott look he looks great 38 saves uh, a .950 save percentage in that Toronto game. I mean, you, you could even say they, I mean, in the, in the game against Toronto last week, what do we have, uh, 11 shootout attempts and he stopped, uh, what did he stop, nine or ten of them, something like that? I mean, Moose, Yeah, he only
2: gave up like two goals, yeah. Moose
0: looks great. I mean, uh, Bill, what are your thoughts on Brian Elliott?
1: Uh, I'm with you, like, heading into this off season, I was like, I just want to cut bait with both of these goaltenders. I want Neuvert and Elliott out of here, just let's move on. And then as the summer unfolds and you look at what's available in terms of net minding, you go, all right, if Carter Hart really is the guy, Brian Elliott is an effective backup. He can be in a a tandem as long as you limit how much you use him. And I had the same thought as soon as Hart started to look bad and they're just leaning on Elliott. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. He's going to get hurt now, and then we're going to have no goalies to use again. But he has been fantastic. He's really kept them in games when he's been in there. I credit the... uh, I credit the coaching staff with, with knowing how to manage him, uh, not overuse him, make sure it's the right dynamic between him and Carter Hart, and he's paid off. That's Elliot has been a, at least a decent goalie for most of his career when he hasn't had to start every single game.
0: <laughs> Jack, you got anything you want to add in on that? I know you do. Yeah, you know, I bring
2: that up every time. Like he was a fine goalie till Hacksaw played him twenty seven straight games in a row and he had
1: core muscle surgery, because that's yeah. so common. The entire month of December. He played every game. And how do you do that like to a that. how do you do that to any goalie? Like did Marty Brodeur ever start an entire month? Like, yeah.
2: Jesus. <laughs> No, I, I really haven't. And that was Hackstall for you, the genius that he is. But then, yeah, he's how old he is. But one of the funniest things was when they re-signed him, of all the moves the Flyers made in this offseason, that was one of the ones that set Twitter on fire for at least a day. And I was like, I, he's a backup. I don't think this is that bad of a deal. People hated it. Like, he absolutely hated it. Well, so far, he's been all you could ask for it. I mean, two million million one year? I'll take it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, hang on. I'm bringing his stats up right here. I don't think he's had – I think his worst game was I'm pretty sure he was in that Pittsburgh game.
1: Yeah, he got yeah, bombed from Pittsburgh, and that's bringing down his overall numbers. But pretty much every game has been at least decent.
2: Yeah, he's, pretty, yeah, he, he's been he, decent. We should have lost to Calgary like 6-1, to one, but he was yeah. fantastic. And the goals he gave up, I think Braun skated into his pad. Like he really had no chance on it. Like he uh, he's looked – Yeah, everything but Pittsburgh, I think he's looked fantastic.
0: Interesting that you brought up uh, Braun right there, Jack. Uh, Bill, Braun's a guy that his name's been kind of been coming up the last week or two. What are your opinions on uh, Justin Braun so far?
1: I think they're starting to use Justin Braun properly. uh, Basically, for the last eight games, Myers has been up for six. But for the last eight games, um, Braun has been used like 15 minutes a night total uh, he's he's playing the most out of any defenseman uh, uh, shorthanded, and that's what he's here to do. Braun was brought in to help improve this penalty kill because the penalty kills have been absolute freaking garbage for years, and he's doing really well at that. You can live with one penalty kill specialist because I, I I'm watching the same games everyone complaining about him is watching. He's not very good at five on five. I agree. I think when your other five defensemen are producing, which for the most part, they have been for the last two weeks, you can live with what you have in Braun because he is helping you uh, on the penalty kill so much. Um, I, I, it was a, People just have a negative opinion of him because they look at the minus number and go, geez, that's huge, and his minus number is big. It's like minus 12. I think Ghost is the next closest at like minus 5. Like That's not good, obviously. I don't put a ton of stock in plus minus, but when the team is winning and you have one guy who's freaking minus 12 that tells you what he's doing at even strength probably isn't very good. Um, but I, I think because of the role they're using him in now – because they have Haig out of the lineup and they can just use him as a specialty, sixth defender, he he can be effective, more effective than he was.
0: I agree with that. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything you want to add in there?
3: No, it's just Justin Brung gets used a ton in the defensive zone. His defensive zone starts are ridiculous, so his plus minus is going to suffer with that as well. I so mean, every... Single time they're in the defensive zone, it seems like Braun is they're starting it. So I mean, chances are you're going up against world-class hockey teams. They're going to pot a couple. Obviously, minus twelve is pretty much unacceptable. But it is what it is. I I think the gross overpayment for him is what a lot of people are mad at when they look at that stat as well.
0: Good point there jack you want to add in on that gross overpayment real quick i think that i think
2: that was the best point of the night yeah a second and a third for a guy nobody's ever heard of and doesn't do a whole lot i think his claim to fame is he's a he's a little bit he's better than uh Hag and Moran, that's about it. You know? Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. Bill, Bill makes up a good point, though. He does give you something, so you take what you will. It's like the opposite of Ghost. You put up for his defensive deficiencies for that offense, and Braun, you put up with his deficiencies for what he is good at. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, he, he's just a guy, for the most part, he does what he's supposed to do. I just don't like that we gave up a second and a third. I never
1: will <laughs> like that. But, you know, but, Here's the know, thing I, about the – Here's the thing about the second and the third. It is too much, but there's already not enough roster spots. You know, what what are they going to do with that second and third round pick?
2: Well, I I know what I want them to do. It'll just never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Just trade up, baby. Just keep trading up. But no, it'll never happen. Uh, You know, it is what it is. If you want a guy, go get him. I'm always one who have said that. So if you really think that you can fix our goals against average and you have a, a an idea, then go, just go do it. Like, am I going to complain with how the flyers have been? It's their best start since 2011, 2012. So it is what it is. I, I'm not upset with the player. Not like other people was, you know, or, or I should say. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. And it could be a lot worse. So I'll take it.
0: That's true, Jay. That's true. I feel like we, we've reached a compromise with that tonight for the first well, time. As long as they keep winning <laughs> four, four games <laughs> in a row against
2: the playoff teams, I'll, I'll stay as positive as you want.
0: Wow. I think we're turning a corner. See what happens when the Flyers win? Yeah. Uh, Winning solves everything. (laughs) Apparently so. Oh, man. So let's move on to last night's game here. We have another 3-2 win in a shootout. Uh, Phil Meyer scores his third goal in three straight games. Uh, I think it was a bar down sniper, wasn't it? If I remember
1: correctly. Oh, uh, yeah. Last night? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. He hit a couple of these in a row now. It's, you, you hit one of these shots, and it's like, all right, nice shot. Uh-huh. You hit a second one in two games, and it's like, He's yo, is it. he the best shooter on this freaking team? <laughs> <laughs> how many guys pick corners like this? Hey, you know what
0: was getting me excited during the, uh, during the game last night was when uh, Jim Jackson and Keith Jones were talking about uh, how Keith Jones, you know, when he first saw him play or practice or whatever, he, he thought that he could be a star in the league. And I'm like, holy shit. Here the Flyers are, they have this undrafted kid, Phil Myers, and Keith Jones is saying how he thinks he could be a, a potential all-star in the league. Like, Does that ever happen for the Flyers?
1: Like,
0: I, I don't know. I thought that was amazing. I was getting, so I was getting fired up when he was talking about him.
1: For most of my life, it's been a franchise of serial underachievers. Yeah. Here's a guy, he's a diamond-in-the-rough, undrafted guy. He's not even in rookie camp when they signed him in 2014. Calgary just let him walk without a contract. Comes into Flyers training camp, gets himself a job, and just keeps getting better from there. He's like the opposite of what most Flyers prospects are.
3: Hey,
0: is it possible
3: well, that he's got to make up for all those second-round picks <laughs> or second-overall picks? Yeah, ain't that the truth?
0: What do you guys think? Could could Phil Myers and you know I'm just going based off the last three games here, and and why not? Because it's fun. Could he potentially be? the best defenseman on this team.
1: He has been this week. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. for
0: sure. <laughs>
2: if any of these defensemen can play good on defense, he's got you know, he's got a good shot at
0: it for sure. I mean he's already bumped up to that second uh, second pairing with Travis Sandheimer, who by the way, uh, can can skate again and he looks pretty damn confident. I don't know if you guys saw that little spin movie did he was the last guy at the fence last night? Spinning around with the puck, he looked pretty damn good. He's, I think he's back. Yeah, well, I,
2: <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I don't want to go that far yet, but yeah, it's good to see that he's not, you know, skittish or anything like that. But uh, I don't know, man. Myers is taking it over for me, especially that third goal. You know, right-handed from the right side through traffic to pick the spot that he did.
0: Whew. Dude, it was uh, a, I, it I like it was I a sick see. shot, wasn't it, man? I. Got, I I was actually getting excited last night. When he scored that goal, you know, I yelled a little bit. Scared the shit out of my dog, blah, blah, blah. It got me fired up, man. I mean, it, that was a fucking. <laughs> what? You guys didn't go nuts? It was just me? That's yeah, so your no, of shit. All right, I was going to say. My dog's <laughs> used to me. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I'll tell you. go ahead.
3: I'll tell you one thing though: If Phil Myers keeps on this trajectory, how expendable does Ghost become? Okay, That's a good that question. Say? I mean, I like
2: that contract, but yeah, I mean, it depends on what they're. He becomes to add, quite expendable. I think this is, this Might should be, have a topic to be now. Well, I mean, they got a lot of contracts coming up. We'll see. I mean, they're gonna have to get rid of somebody. There's no way they're keeping everybody. I mean,
3: and if Phil Myers. The offense that Ghost can't even seem to anymore.
2: Uh, let's see him sustain it a little bit. I mean, <laughs> he thought Ghost was going to be our Carlson when he first came off to the scene. Let me this guess. is
3: true.
0: We didn't, we didn't really talk about this at all, but uh, Bill, do you think the injury to Sam Moran, uh, do you think that kind of keeps things in pat? I mean, do you think Ghost stays because of that? Because, you know, with 8D, and I'm not saying Sam Moran or Robert Hay can replace Ghost, but you know, with eight defensemen, it makes it a little bit easier to move somebody. With seven, it's like, well, if somebody gets hurt, then we're kind of, you know, we're shit out of luck.
1: What do you, what do you think goes on with that situation? I think um, uh, I Ghost is my favorite player on the team. I defend him endlessly. But yeah, as as Sanheim and Myers continue to progress, we've seen a little bit more offense out of Ivan Provorov after that terrible year last year. Uh, some they're not going to be able to keep all these guys. They just spent a first-round pick on Cam York, so they, they have a lot of pieces. I don't know how much Moran or Haig affect it. Just because of the way this team is built right now, they don't want to use Braun and Haig in the same lineup. They don't want to use Moran and Braun or Haig in the same lineup. It's too much of the same player, too much of the guys who – don't help you break the puck out of the zone, which is the most important thing to do on defense. Um, I, Ghost, I do think at some point will be expendable. I don't know if they're there yet, uh, just because uh, I, I, I assume he gets traded. Eventually, they're going to need um, they're going to need to clear some cap space. There's going to be some guys who are signed to contracts who are moved. Look at what these young guys are doing. Uh, Oscar Lindblom's going to need a deal. Travis Sanheim, he only signed a bridge. It's, they have a number of players who need to get paid eventually. So I can see a circumstance under which ghost is traded, especially if, I don't know, it kind of seems, I asked my, uh, I asked my team this, uh, last week, I think. Is it possible for him to become what he can become here? Is change of scenery what he really needs? I think Ghost has been playing a lot better over the last week, 10 days or so, but it's very clear he's not the guy he's been when he's played his best during his tenure here.
0: And I have to agree with that. I mean, you know, Bill, you're a fan of Ghost, and you'll defend him, you know, till till the end, and I respect that. Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I mean... I guess part of me, uh, I'm kind of spoiled by, you know, that that amazing season he had a couple years ago. Because now I want to see it all the time. Um, but he, you know, for me, he, 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 you know, when you see the potential like that, and then you don't see it consistently or 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 rarely anymore, I feel like it it kind of it bothers me. And I, I could say the same thing about Voracek. Um, and I. You know, I'm not a. I'm not afraid to say that he has been playing better. Like uh, the past, like you said, last week or two, ten days, whatever. Um, there's not as much for me to nitpick about on Ghost. Um, however, I think you know when you look at this defense, uh, and you name guys like Ghost, Haig, and uh, I don't even know if you can mention Moran anymore. Um, but if someone's going to get moved, who's the guy you're going to get the most back for? Um, and I think it. I think it's Ghost. Uh, I hope. I would really like for him to figure it out here because we've seen what he can do, we've seen his potential, and I could you imagine having a guy like that on you know playing on your third pairing and on your top power play unit? Oh my God! I mean, it, and that's the
1: even if he even if he never gets back to what he was as a rookie, never gets back to what he was in 1718 uh, when he was paired with Provorov. Um, just having a guy with that kind of potential, as long as the you know you're not counting on him to play top four minutes, and you have guys performing there. Like, it could be a hell of a weapon. I just don't know if they can afford to wait, Um, if they do need other pieces. Like, it would be nice if Morgan Frost came up and replaced Nolan Patrick, and that whole thing was taken care of. But if he doesn't in in the near future, how do they figure out their top nine? Because right now they don't have nine top nine forwards. Ghost could get you one.
0: It's very true. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with that, uh, Jack and Carl. Where, what do you guys think is going on with this situation? We could start with Jack first. No, I, it,
2: it,
0: I can't. I don't see him
2: being moved soon. I could see it happening when they run into cap trouble, but that's just it. It's like sometimes guys get a fresh start somewhere, and they just. They just put it together and we don't want to miss out on that. I'm also hesitant to move him because I don't want to give him up for just anything. I don't want to wake up and see we got like a third round pick for Ghost or something. That's it. Like, I would lo- like a top six winger like back for that. Like, if we're going to trade him, we better be getting something for him. If we're not just getting rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him, he could, the potential is there. It, Jimmy, as you said, it's been more rare, which is a little concerning, but I have been seeing his effort lately. He looked pretty good in overtime. I think it was, that was against Toronto. Like, you know, so it's like, I don't, I don't want to pull the trigger on that yet. But if we can't figure out certain other needs that we have, you, you know, he just seems like he's going to get moved anytime soon. It's going to be in, like a strange deal where some team is moving out. One of their like top defensemen or a couple of guys just need to change the scenery and it just checks all the boxes. And he goes in like a strange trade like that, or guy wants out of a city or something. I can't see any need things, not this early in the season, that's for sure then they
0: the
1: start to panic until later i can see yeah and this this was an off-season trade but uh like a uh, a weber for suban kind of deal mm-hmm. where montreal's just like we're done with suban and uh, we don't want this contract and yeah, exactly. you know the weber's contract is kind of crazy you're not sure what he has left so you'll take suban in because he's younger and it, it moves some things around like a, a weird trade like that. I, but, yeah, I really don't want to tailor-haul him and just, okay, yeah, well, we need a uh, checker, so we went and got a fourth-liner for Ghost. Like, oh, cool, thanks. Uh, but I like I live in constant fear of the next Justin Williams, the next Patrick Sharp. I would much rather watch these guys fail here than succeed elsewhere. I can't watch Jeff Carter lift the cup again. Like, that would kill me. <laughs> If I can't have them, no one can. Yeah, yeah. no, I'd rather they just suck here. <laughs> Retire, <laughs> become a fucking coach. You'll just be a <laughs> scout for life here.
0: Carl, <laughs> your assessment on, uh, you know, what to do with uh, Shane Gossesbear. bear.
3: I mean, as of right now, his value isn't the highest, uh, so I would hope that his play can continue an upwards trajectory, but if it does, you also want to keep him. So, I mean, it's a it's a tricky scenario right now. I think that if his value continues to go upwards, if he starts to find his offensive game again, uh, but Phil Myers continues his offensive game. I think you could probably get Phil Myers at the same price for the same amount of years and a little more upside because Phil Myers plays so well defensively and he might get moved in the off season or more along the trade deadline, depending on where we are in the standings, obviously, which
0: will be first place. Most likely now, let's
3: well, so totally.
0: hope for the office. go undefeated the rest of the year. Oh, here away. we go
3: again! Angry Jim's <laughs> undefeated shit. <laughs> Seventy-five, five and two. Uh, did we
0: cover the Bruins game a little bit, right? We we talked about Phil Myers. We talked about somehow we got on Ghost a little bit there. I think because Phil Myers has been playing so well. Um, but uh, Kyle, if I'm if I'm correct here, I think one of your keys to the game was try to limit that top line. Uh, and for the most part, I, th- I think for the most part the Flyers did shut him down. Um,
3: shut down everybody. The only person on that line to get a point was Brad Marchand's goal. That's about it. I didn't say shut them down. I said limit them because you're never going to shut that line down. And the Flyers shut that line down pretty good. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah, they sure did. Hey, did anybody else have music in their ears right there? Or was that just me? I did nope. not. Oh, it wasn't me. I- That's really weird. All right, so anyway... Yeah, I mean, to your your point there, I mean, I didn't think that line was going to get a goal. I mean, they were pressuring the whole third period, and uh, I think they finally... Was it a power play goal where they got that one? Was it when Marchand scored?
2: I don't think it was, but I think they went on the power play right after
0: that happened.
1: Okay, yeah, they did get a penalty. Yeah, because they had the chance to win it on the power play, and that's when... Hart uh didn't blow it. He, he left up the game-tying goal, but kept them in it through the power play.
2: In that sequence, from, like, the last 10 minutes of the third, Hart made, like, three post-to-post 10-bell saves. Like, it was yeah. ridiculous. Like, he just single-handedly kept them in. And that's what I'm saying. Like, these games, especially against a team like Boston with a line like that, they blow this game. Last year, they blow this game. But this year, yeah, they, blew, they gave up the lead, but they still pulled it off in overtime. And it's just like a... Just
1: watching a different team, and a lot of it's Carter Hart, if you ask me. Between the penalty shot and the uh and the shootout, can you imagine a situation last year where David Pashnak gets two breakaways and doesn't score? Huh. They, uh, it blew my mind and, and how good
2: he looked on that. Like he, he gave him nothing to shoot at. Like kind of just almost gave up on it. Like the his penalty. Uh,
1: shootout one. The, the, the penalty football. shot was incredible. He he went in and just had no net. Like yeah. there was nothing, there was no net. That was the one where he kind of went to the
2: right just, yeah, just had nothing. That's not And what then I'm he was like, fuck yeah. it. I guess he'll throw it at him. It was this shot, eventual shot, was a just complete give up. Like, he's yeah. like, you got me. Yeah, you got me. And it, it, that looked fantastic. Hart's always been keen on positioning, and that was just picture perfect, especially against a guy like Pat. He doesn't even lead the league in goals. Like, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. But that's the kind of shit that we've been talking about for years, and we've been waiting for. So if he can, and one thing I've said with this roster is, is if Carter Hart can be that guy, then yeah, then we will be good. And that's what we have seen at least this past week. And it just the Dawson game was just like the, you know, the explanation point because they're so frigging good, and they just Flyers look good majority of that game, except for whenever a team's trying to tie it at the end, and a lot of that can be said for a lot of different teams. So yeah, fantastic week for sure.
0: Now I'm gonna say I'm gonna speak for myself here, and you guys kind of tell me what, uh, if you feel the same way. But in the past, when, when the Flyers have been in these kind of games where you know they go up early and the other team comes back and ties it up, and you know the third period's pretty much a shooting barrage, the Flyers are pretty much dead out on their on the ice, and blah blah blah. You know, in the past, I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's common. I don't know when it's common, but the other team's gonna get it. This year, with with Carter Hart in net, it's kind of like, well, we have Carter Hart. And they might knock at it, you know. All he needs one shot the other way, and we could win this game. Do you guys kind of, you know, do you feel that same confidence with Carter Hart back there, or or not yet?
1: I absolutely feel the confidence in him, uh, and I just think because he's so much more mature than his age. And I thought last night was a like a great, uh, just a great test for him. Because the team is the second of back-to-backs. The only guy who wasn't on the on the ice the night before was Carter Hart. The team played awesome for the first two periods, and then it came down to Hart, the the only rested player, making sure that they got at least one point out of it, and then put them in position to get two the way he played in the third and threw overtime in the shootout. So uh, I'm, I've always had confidence in the kid. When he was playing poorly early in the season, I just kept saying, throw him back out there. He'll be fine. Good goalies have bad games sometimes. And now he's back in his groove. He's stopping everything. I think he stopped the last six shootout attempts against him. Like he's yeah. he's on fire right now. Yeah, and Jim, to to just expand
2: upon the point you're making and the question you're asking us, it's not just I trust Hart with everything, believe me, but it's not just him. It's not having guys like, you know, Dale Weiss and Jordan Latera <laughs> back there. Uh, you know, it's like Wees takes a bad penalty. let screws up. McDonald falls down. Shots score. Flyers lose. Well, like, th- those three names aren't there. And you got a stud goaltender. Like, that's gives me all the confidence in the world now. Like, I love seeing Kevin Hayes on day. You know, Drew's diving to get the puck out of the zone. Like, that's what I, I want to see. Like, this, th- they just have looked so much better. That last penalty at the end of the game, even then, I was still a little shaky. And they looked so good shutting them down a little bit of puck luck but they they looked great. You put those other guys out there, forget it. You know, that gets Boston wins in regulation. And I think that's a lot of it. It was the uh, smarter players on on defense, uh, more responsible, the wingers kicking in with the defense and Carter Hart for sure.
0: No doubt. Kyle, you kind of get the same sense?
3: I mean, when he plays like that, it's hard not to, ain't it?
0: Yeah, for real. I mean, just I think it was just last week we were kind of like, Jesus. I mean, is it, this is going to be an up and down year, huh? I mean, all of a sudden he comes out and plays 3 of 3 out of the 4 games this week and you know, plays amazing. I mean, the the Flyers just won 4 straight in a week where they could have easily gone 0-4, you know? And I'll be honest, I mean, this weekend I I don't know if I saw them getting more than two points. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter how those two points would have came. I would have been happy with just two out of the four. And they come out and they get four. And and Hart plays the second game against a better team uh, in a back-to-back. I mean, (coughs) uh, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, (coughs) I don't know. What else is there to well, say? Well, I think you're
2: saying it, Jim, because after the I gave the prediction of one and three to see them go four and zero oh against this team. Yeah, I'm kind of speechless myself, to be <laughs> honest with you, because they didn't look so hot, even even when they beat New Jersey, they didn't look so good, you know. And then it's just the p- week before was so bad to see them come out and play like this. It's like, what is it? AV putting in their drinks now? What are this, <laughs> what's coming out of those squirt bottles? What's in those smelly salts? But whatever it is, it seems to be working. Yeah. No as doubt. much
1: as uh, I, I just want to. Say, as much as I want to see them score a little more and win games in regulation, not have to go to the shootout. How nice is it to win a couple of freaking shootouts? Like I, <laughs> overtime ends and I'm not just giving up. Like oh well, they could win. <laughs> there are still two points available here. It's an
2: option. Yeah, hey, no, it's know? crazy. Like I give them like you know. 50 50 and ot i used to give them 60 40 but you know 50 50 and then when i got to a shootout it's like eh, and they just went down to 10 percent chance of winning this game and you know and now after these last couple of them it's they have three shootout wins on the season already are they like three and two or something already two, like yeah. that's insane that's like they wouldn't hit three wins till january any <laughs> other year And uh, it's these points, especially they're playing well and they're playing well this early in the season. November has not been a kind month to the Flyers. So to see them have a record like this at this point, knowing they can go on a run, you know, that's fantastic. Because I don't like I said, best start since 2011, 2012, I believe. And that says a lot. So these points are going to when we look at the standings in March and April, we're going to think this these these couple of this hot start, we'll say, is going to have a lot to do with where we're at in the standings.
0: You know what I found uh, kind of funny before we started the show? I was getting some stuff together here. The Flyers have points in six straight games. They're 5-0-1. Each of those games has gone to overtime. And I believe one, two, uh, four of those games went to a shootout. I mean, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. It'd be nice wow. to see them win a couple well- in regulation, but I'll take two points however they can get them.
1: Yeah, they're getting, they're getting plenty of reps. They're playing a ton of hockey right now after that uh that slow October. November's been ridiculous. The <laughs> schedule's nuts and they go past regulation every single night. Uh
0: you mentioned the schedule. I mean, it really doesn't get any doesn't get much easier. Uh they play Wednesday night against the division leading uh Washington Capitals. They have 29 points. I think they're like 13-2 and Whatever they they actually lost in a shootout to Arizona tonight, so that that's nice. We'll get them all pissed off for Wednesday. Um, and I believe <laughs> <laughs> I think they have a you know quote unquote easier game coming up Friday against Ottawa. I just I just lost the schedule here. Give me a second. I yeah, think.
2: they got Ottawa on. Yeah, and then they play the Islanders after that, and then it kind of goes into the next week. They play Florida. Um, but yeah. Uh I don't know what you were gonna say, Jim. You're gonna give us
0: your, your predictions now? <laughs> no, I was gonna say so they have they have Under a' we'll see, yeah. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I mean so they have a couple a couple of days off this week. They're off uh, today and tomorrow, obviously, uh, you know, with with Washington Wednesday, Ottawa they go up to Ottawa on Friday and then, you know, of course another goddamn Saturday night game against the New York Islanders. Um so that's a revenge game at home in Philly. Uh you know, obviously Wednesday night's the big one. Uh, I don't know,
1: Bill. You think you can hang with the Caps? I'm really interested to see how this goes because I I wasn't sure how Carolina would go, wasn't sure how Boston would go, and here we are, not having lost to those teams. So I'm I'm uh, Washington looks freaking awesome. They look like hell. They look like the Capitals. You know, they're yeah. um they've been an amazing regular season team for like a decade now. They continue to look like that. I just want to see if they can get a point out of it, awesome. If they get two, I'll be elated. Uh, I I just want to see how they skate with them. It's it's still assessment time with this team. I know we're excited about the fast start. No one's more excited than me. I do a post-game after every game. They're way easier after wins, like (laughs) – the frustrating yeah. losses really suck. You said, oh, we have another Saturday night game. The Flyers have no respect for my social calendar, playing all these <laughs> damn back-to-back weekend games. It's so true, so it's, it's way easier when they win them, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to Wednesday's Wednesday's game against the Caps, absolutely.
0: And you say that, and I'm like, oh, they have a lot of Saturday night games this year. That's cool, because I don't really go out anyways. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, this year, I freaking, somehow I have a life and I'm missing every Saturday night game. So it's like... And they play every friggin' Saturday, I think, until February or some shit like that.
3: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, what do you think for, for Wednesday? How you feeling?
3: You know, honestly, Wednesday is one that I think they may drop in regulation. Just as long as you don't lose, like you lost to Pittsburgh, I'm going to be okay with it.
0: So you, so you, do you want to see him get a point or you want to see him hang around for 60 minutes?
3: I want to see them skate with the Capitals. I want to see them in it until the end. If they lose, they lose. But I want to see them actually skate with the Capitals. And then from that, I'll base my judgment. All right. Jack, what do you think? But it's hard because the Capitals are flowing, man.
0: I I want to ask you guys, too, before I ask you, Jack, what do you think about the game? Do you think Tom Wilson will factor into this one?
2: It depends. Are we
0: starting Chris Stewart? (laughs) You think think they're going to need to? They got Andy off in the lineup, baby. Uh,
2: Yeah, Uh, they probably will (laughs) just because of who he is. I mean, he factors into a game usually one way or another. It's whether it's positive or negative for his team. I think he's off to a decent start this year. I mean, I love could be last year against suspended 20 games, but I don't know. He's uh, not the guy I'm worried about when I think about Washington. And this team has a lot of V's and K's and T's in their last names, and you know those guys tend to be pretty good. Like Kuznetsov, the Oveshkins, the Backstroms. Those are the guys. Carlson's off to a hell of a start this year. Like,
0: yeah, how about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's got like 28 points, eight goals, and like half as many games. Like,
1: that's what I'm worried about. Now, John uh, Carlson's gonna have to start spelling his name with a K. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he seriously, he looks fantastic. Um, and that's what i'm worried
2: about and, and you yeah, know got to remember good old goodis is coming home too um
0: hey, you know I, this, I, I i'm of kinda... he's not having a bad year i just i was just checking out some of his stats he's having a pretty decent year so far is it true he leads the league in plus minus or at least pretty close <laughs> he might i think i saw he was like a plus 10 or something like that
2: yeah i got a friend who's a uh, Capitals fan. So yeah you enjoy that plus minus stat yeah and i, don't, I, I don't forgot all the it. hate Gudis. i like liked good I, I think like <laughs> problem too. with a meter. Uh, I just I think Niskanen was is just so much better. <laughs> I really like Niskanen. I think Niskanen is better, been maybe our best overall defenseman. I mean Proveroff comes to mind but I can't I keep thinking of too many like big mistakes to give it to him this early.
0: You know what I love about Niskanen is his shots actually get through the goal, which Yeah, that's a, a big really plus here. Lot, we're the... so used to having mm-hmm. Happy Gilmore at the point.
2: <laughs> Who's having a I say, get of on track. Uh, I think uh, I can uh see, I mean, I I not want to jinx them, but I can't see them getting blown out or anything. I hope, like of a little bit of a little Kyle said they skate with them. I can see which is all the momentum of this great week of had, they at of this this week they overtime. They that, least get this game in overtime. After that, I don't know. in Washington is the I team not the league Washington right now, so the that, that's, that's a in the of a now, so of a test. And of a not know of a want to of about the rest of the schedule, Jim. of yeah, we can for of sure. I'll just run it down real quick. Ottawa got to win that game. And come on, they got 13 points at this, this juncture in 16 games. Islanders is such an interesting matchup to me because there are still people. And I, I've just got to say, I'm on the fence. I don't know if they're the real deal or not. You give them all of last year, Sweeping the Penguins, and people said, No, they'll come back down the earth this year. They win 10 games in a row. They got points in the last 12 games. You know, it's like, are they real? Like, I don't, I don't, I still don't know. So I want to see how the Flyers play them.
1: The Islanders, I don't think they can win a cup with their current makeup, but they're absolutely going to be a playoff team, and they're a freaking nuisance. Like, it just sucks to play against them. They play so tight defensively. They're hard checkers. Barry Trotz is an awesome coach. Like, they just win based on defensive effort so often, and they bring it every single night. I know that's like, oh, every team should try every game. They don't. We watch this sport. Every team doesn't have it every night. Somehow the Islanders are just a pain in the ass every freaking game.
2: Yeah, and and that's what it is. It's I don't. Yeah, exactly. I can't see them winning a cup either. They really lack that superstar. But when you got to play them, they're an absolute thorn in your side, and they will. They don't even just take points away from you because they're right there at the top of the standings. And we all know they're going to falter in the playoffs. But as far as being in our division, they're a real pain in the ass. So I'm curious to see how they respond to how they. I don't want. Well, I guess they did kind of get embarrassed. Uh, and Hart getting pulled. I wonder if Hart starts that game. It's at home. I just want to see uh, how that goes. I would love to see them go in there and just own them. But they, they just play too hard. Like you said, they're never out of it. and They just get under your skin. And then a team that I really haven't followed, Flor- they're at Florida. They're 8-4 and uh, and 5 for 21 points for 17 games. Uh, I think we all expected them to be better. They got off to a little bit of a slow start. Flyers, every time they make their Florida trip, they usually don't do too well. So, yeah, I, that's, true. I, yeah I, that's just the, you know, history. But I think they have. A, they probably go two and two, maybe two one and one if we're lucky through these four games. That's what I would say.
0: It doesn't. Don't they usually play? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In February they have Florida and Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, you know, usually I, they. I they yeah. usually played them back to back or whatever, but I didn't see that. So February. Um, yeah, you know what I, I think is interesting here because we're we're kind of overlooking the Ottawa game and Flyers teams in the past. Uh, they would play down to the, to the competition in that game, and, and they would lose that game. So, I mean, uh, it's, I think it's easy to get up for a team like Washington, and I fully expect this team, uh, based off what we've seen the last four games at least, to, you know, at least give Washington a game, you know. It's going to be, a, I believe, a nationally televised game, Wednesday night, whatever it is, rivalry, uh, home game against the first-place uh, team in the Metro. Easy to get up for that game. Uh, what's not easy to get up for, you know, is is flying up to Ottawa on a Friday, knowing that you got to play a team like the New York Islanders the next night on a Saturday. I'm really interested to see how they come out and, and play against Ottawa uh, Friday night. I mean, we know it's a game that they should win. Uh, I want to see how they play. If th- That will tell me a lot if they're buying into the Elaine
1: Vigneault stuff. Um, Bill,
0: what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think, like, as we move along, there are different benchmarks I want to see. Whether it is just not playing down to your competition, things like that, I think that's huge. A uh, game I'm really looking for- forward to, though, is Florida. I would love to see Carter Hart get that start against Bob Rovsky, uh, just to have that there. I've, you know, in the offseason, I was nuts for Joel Quenville. Of course, he goes to Florida. I've loved everything I've seen out of Vigneault since. So I'm going to see that match up. But there are those different benchmarks along the way, like going to Florida. Oh, it's nice there. We go out the night before and then we play like shit that day. So let's see if they don't do that and play up and get ready for Ottawa. Just those different things to reassure me that this really is a different team.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point because I'm a little worried about that with Washington. One of the things we talked about on last week's podcast is how they couldn't get up to play Pittsburgh. No, I know they had just lost to the Islanders, but you're going into Pittsburgh first meeting of the season and they were just dead the whole game. It's like that was so reminiscent of the Hackstall era that I wanted to see the change in this team. And this has been a good week. And if they are buying into Vigneault's system and the whole the whole nine, they can't put up a dud here against Washington. Yeah, I, they, If they lose, okay, but it's got to be a game. So that's definitely one thing I'll be looking for for sure because that will tell me how much of a difference between last year and this year is.
0: No doubt. Kyle, anything to add on the upcoming games this week?
3: No, like you guys said, I mean, I just really don't want to see them flop against the Capitals and then come up against Ottawa and play down to your opponent. Because that would just be, I mean, it would just be a step in the complete opposite direction of where we all hope the team is going at this point.
0: A really good point there. Um, I think we're coming to the end here. I mean, is there anything that we missed covering before we wrap up? I, I think one thing that we didn't really touch on and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't because I feel like we bring up Jake Voracek uh, a lot, at least the past couple of weeks. You know, there's been a lot of positive things to talk about, Um, but you guys tell me if you disagree or not. The Flyers, for the most part, the majority of the players on this team are playing a certain way. When I see Jake Voracek out on the ice, he, he just doesn't really fit in anymore. He looks like he's playing a different game, like everyone's playing the same kind of speed, and... You know, there was one shift in particular. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's just, he's flying all over the place and and nobody's really playing the same game as him. Um, Bill, any thoughts on the way Jake Voracek's playing so far?
1: Yeah, I've I've understood for a while the frustration with Jake Voracek. Uh, I've never been like a huge fan, but I realize he's a good hockey player. And I've always said, if you want to get rid of Jake, that's fine. There are a list of players better than him, but it is not a long list. But this year, man, he just, I don't want to say lost, but he looks freaking lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't look like he knows what to do with the puck. He's always going to turn it over because he has the puck a lot. So turnovers are going to happen. But it seems like every decision he makes with the puck is the wrong decision this season. I just don't know what I'm seeing with him out there. He says he's focusing more on his defense. Maybe that's true. But at the end of the day, Jake Vorchek ain't out there to play defense. He's up there. He's out there to put up. 70 plus points and i just i'm confused by his decision making so far this year
0: i think we all are um
2: (laughs) that was music to my ears i mean it's just do i think he's a good player yeah do i think he's an eight and a quarter a year player not anymore like shit and it's frustrating uh, it's just what to think in his decision making. And you see what all these other players do just to keep the play alive, like in their own zone or in the opponent's zone. And Jake, he just doesn't do it. Like he almost every time he leads us either, whether it be a blind pass or the other night when they were trying to muster some kind of offense against Boston late in the third, he just got just like pushed off the puck. Like it didn't even look like that much effort for him to lose it. And it's just like, you just roll your eyes. You know, it's almost like you're used to it, but, yeah, I, I don't – he does look lost. It's like, what are you going to do to get him out of his rut? You know, I got no answers. So, I mean, I think that was well said.
0: Kyle, I, I know you got something you want to say about, about J.K.V.
3: Um, he's one of the main reasons the power play is failing at this point. I mean, the dude turns over the puck on the power play more than anybody else on the damn team at this point. And that's saying a lot because Ghost gives the other team a puck, the puck a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's just it's frustrating to me cuz the dude has all the talent in the world that I don't know what's going on. He can't put it together, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm over the Jake Voracek on the Philadelphia Flyers thing.
0: It's really interesting and and you know, just going off Twitter, I think a lot of people you know, it's funny because on Twitter at least I think people are split on Ghost. You have kind of like Like, Bill, you have, like, the people that will defend Ghost until the very end. With Voracek, I don't see that as much. I see, you know, a lot of people kind of ragging on Jake and not so many people sticking up for
1: him. You know what I mean? It's I feel like Jake, because everyone recognizes, like... He's good, and but the uh, he makes a ton of mistakes, but the positives have always outweighed the negatives. And so people who stick up for him have always just said, like, listen, I, I acknowledge the negatives, but I just think there are more positives. And there aren't any longer. It just isn't that way anymore. Like, I need him off the power play. That's absolutely right. Kevin Hayes needs to be in that spot, like, yesterday.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, like, uh, I don't know what it is with, with Voracek. I mean, you could assume this and that, but, you know, we're not around them. We're not in the locker room. You know, just based off what we see is, I don't know, it just looks like he's, I don't know. When AV came in, it was either you're going to conform or you're going to be out. I'm not sure if Voracek's not conforming or not. Maybe he is and he just, you know, he just can't play the way that he needs to play. But, it, it you know... I don't know if he can be moved either. He's kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place because that contract's going to be a bitch to move, man. I think the only way, you know, and I don't know too too much about the expansion uh, rules and this and that, but I would assume the only way he's
1: moved is, is through the expansion thing. That's I, I would think you have to give somebody some incentive, whether it's in the expansion or before that. You just have to give someone some incentive to take on their contract Or take back another bad contract. Hopefully it's maybe a little shorter. Um, uh, Just a guy that the other team thinks we need to just get him out of here and in a similar situation. And maybe he can fit a little better with what uh, this team's doing. Because that's another thing. When you talk about fit with Jake, if they bring up Morgan Frost to be 3C, what they're worried about with Morgan Frost right now is his defense. The third line would shake out to be Frost centering JVR and Voracek. That line might put up some points, but they're going to get scored on every time the other team touches the freaking puck. So I don't see like a fit in that area when you talk about uh, how this team's going to gel together moving forward.
2: Well, real quick on that, let me ask you, Bill, are you worried about Voracek's uh Personal thoughts on being in Philly and all that. Basically, I come back to uh, that whole story about Vigneault calling out the locker room, but really, you know, focusing in on uh, Drew and Voracek. Seems like Drew's responded, not so much on Jake. I, and it sounds like I thought I read that he also like kind of laughed it off. I don't know if he's just a dick or or yeah, what. But...
1: Jake's personality is kind of dickish. I, I I'm entertained. <laughs> I'm entertained by him. He's sarcastic, and he's kind of like me in that regard. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I I, do see like how he might clash with a coach who, for a long time, it was Jake and G. And that was it. That's all this freaking team had. You know, Ghost came up, and that was nice, and Couturier started to come into his own. But basically, it was the Jake and G show, and now suddenly, it is not that way. It is not just those two guys' teams anymore. And I, I don't know maybe how he's adjusting to that idea that he's not one of the two best players on the team. Um, it, but it, it's worth monitoring. This, he's the guy I think that is most likely to be moved in like a change of scenery sort of thing. It'll just be, I, I don't know how they get it done because of his ridiculous contract.
2: Well, I, I have a feeling this Voracek saga is going to go on for quite a while because I completely agree. I don't, I, I don't see how it happens. And then the, I hear about trade offers in the off season, like for Jamie Ben, like they were discussing some kind of deal there. And even now, I'm just like, even with his long contract, I just don't see him getting moved. I, I, it really would have to take some kind of special situation, and I just don't see it happening. Yeah, a bunch of I people.
3: that brought Jamie- up. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, the, the Jamie Ben one for one with Voracek I mean that's the only realistic thing I've heard this entire time because both are struggling with their team both may need to change the scenery like we, we talked about that earlier with Ghost that they're both kind of in the same position they're both underachieving they both don't look like they fit anymore but I don't really want to take on Jamie Ben's contract as much you know what I mean it's a lot of risk there if you if you were to pull that off
2: well i agree with you in the sense that this
3: team is winning
2: despite voracek so why you know if i can move out that cap i would rather just move out that cap and do what i can to keep the team i have now uh because with limblom and the players of that nature needing contract extension so really it comes down to could they move his money off the books and what what way that would be done without getting too much of a bad
1: contract and i just don't think it's possible so that's the only way I can see them being able to do that would be through the expansion, being like, hey, we'll give you some sort of draft pick if you take Jake and not one of our other players we want to keep that we had to expose because of uh, you know the expansion rules. So that's really the only way I see that going if you don't want to take back another similar contract. Oh, man. Yeah, that's really, kind of
0: my story got on that, too. No, that's it. I was just gonna say and that, that would work. Yeah, I Just don't it see another worked team for, a for a bunch of teams training.
3: with Vegas. Yeah, no yeah. it worked for like the expansion draft It worked for a bunch of teams trying to get rid of contracts with Vegas. Vegas hey, listen, out, we'll though. give you a third round pack you No know, Vegas did make out but guess what? It helped everybody essentially
2: Well, I don't know if they got rid of a guy like Vorchek it makes sense a guy like Mark Andre Fleury helped Pittsburgh. They were in serious cap trouble. It was like the Marciosos they got moved that really screwed Florida and helped out Vegas. But Jake's well, that's Florida older, so shitty management. Matter. I'm just saying it worked out for Vegas. Like, they got some shit. They got some uh, picks and some good players. But a guy like Jake, he's older. We know what he is. I think it. I just don't know if the that team would do it. I guess it depends on who their GM is going to be and what we're offering, but getting a player who used to be pretty good plus a draft pick, eh, maybe it's not so crazy.
0: Here's a question, and, and I'll ask you, Bill Does the roster that we see now here, at November 11th, 11 11, is this the roster that we're going to see come, you know, uh, February, March, April?
1: Uh, I mean, I really don't think so, just because. Um, in terms of the forwards, I mean, the D, I think, finally kind of set. But in terms of the forwards, Scott Lawton's been out. Uh, you want to see how he factors in when he comes back. That'll be a boost. And you just don't know what your third-line center is, and that affects how the third line is made up. Like, I don't expect Carson Terensky to stick on the third line. But I like I do like what I've seen out of him, and maybe he's, made, he's you know – giving himself a shot at a permanent fourth-line position uh, when we figure out what's going on at that third line. So there's just a lot in flux, especially in the bottom six. Um, it'll work itself out one way or another, whether it's Nolan Patrick or German Rubstov or Morgan Frost, anyone taking that center position. But I think there's still a lot going to be a lot more movement. Uh, they're going to bring guys up. Call uh, send them back down as they stop performing uh, on the fourth line. So I don't think this is a uh, this is a completed uh, a completed roster yet. No.
0: Okay, and I like that you mentioned that kind of revolving door thing on the fourth line because you know a lot of you get some people on Twitter that are like, oh man, I wish they'd stop that shit and have a set lineup and blah blah blah. Whereas I'm kind of like if, if a guy's not performing and you have the luxury to keep bringing guys up and, you know, essentially it's like a tryout still. You know, yeah. And you finally find somebody that sticks on that line. Like, for example, they, they brought up Andrioff and they, I think they have Raffle playing center and uh, who the hell's playing the other wing? Is it Pitlick? Yeah, uh, Pitlick right now. So, I mean, I think it's been two or three games. I mean, they, they're undefeated. And I'm not saying it's because of Andy Andrioff, but, you know, that line has looked... Fairly solid, and they were out but, in the game late in that Toronto game. The uh,
1: AV was giving them a lot of minutes, and uh, late in that third period, they um, were. And it was very important. They mentioned this on the broadcast a bunch of times, like with these back-to-backs, three and four. Our fourth line was getting its skull bashed in. Basically, suddenly they mix it up. They put this uh, combination out there now, and they're able to lean on it, roll four lines just a little bit more, and. The rest of the lineup just a little bit more fresh. They're able to win all these freaking games again, not because of them, but it definitely helps. It's part of the it's part of the recipe. 100, percent absolutely. I've loved what, I, especially from
0: Raffle. I mean, uh, he's. I feel like he's played great all season long, and he's, you know, maybe going under the radar a little bit, which is fine because he's a uh, you know playing on the fourth line, but he just looks like a different player. And Andy Andrioff, I mean, when I, when they signed him, I was kind of like, what the hell? What are they doing? Signing this guy? He's look fairly solid since being called up um, i have no problems with the fourth line right now last week it was an entirely different story uh, i'm not the biggest fan of uh, misha vorobiev and you know i like rupsov but he didn't look he didn't look like he fit in in the game that didn't he played he didn't look ready yeah so you know that's going to happen but i'm completely i'm okay with the you know the the revolving door or the tryouts until something sticks Um, we're, we're a little bit over an hour here. We're about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, I mean, we could talk hockey all night. It could keep you on forever. Uh, I don't want to do that though. So, um, let me see. I thought I had one more thing or or no, I don't. That was it. The fourth line. Did you guys have anything you wanted to bring up for uh, bill before we wrap up here?
2: Uh, Bill, I just have one last question for you. Um, I got some friends and family are going to be in the uh, Wildwood area looking for a place to watch the game. They really like pork sandwiches. Uh, Any suggestions? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. There's this
1: place. I don't know if you've heard of it. Fitzpatrick's Crest Tavern in the Wildwood Crest. It's amazing. (laughs) right sounds good everybody loves that read it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) i think people are just shocked that someone's actually like sponsoring the show finally because it's been so long that we had no ads whatsoever
2: (laughs) i remember i've been listening (laughs) for a while my friend
1: Kyle,
0: anything kyle
3: yeah man i appreciate you coming on
1: oh anytime guys this was great
0: yeah it was a lot of fun actually um well, I mean, uh, everybody knows who you are. They know who Broad Street Hockey is now. But any any plugs you want to get in before we wrap up?
1: I, I just wanted to mention real fast, if I can, uh, Biscuit Tees. It's uh, Bernie Perrant's daughter, Kim Perrant, uh, and her business partner uh, basically hand-draw all the designs, and they have just these awesome Philadelphia-inspired uh, T-shirts, hats, hoodies. It's called Biscuit Tees. It's at biscuittees.com. They're really cool. Check it out. All right. And all the like, ten percent of every purchase goes to uh, the Snyder Hockey Foundation, so it's for a good cause too.
0: That's awesome. I just wrote that down. I have to buy a T-shirt now. I'm a sucker for T-shirts.
1: They have some cool designs. I have a couple already.
0: All right, sweet. So that's gonna do it for us, Bill. Thanks for coming on, man. It was it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I have to have you on again. Oh, well, um, anytime,
1: guys. This was great.
0: So let's wrap up, guys. You want to shoot out your Twitter handles? We'll uh, we'll wrap up. Jack underscore HW Radio. Let's keep going.
3: You can find me at Warner Kyle twenty nine. Come check out Kyle's keys. Talk cocky with me,
0: Bill. I'm sure everybody follows you already. You want to give out your Twitter handle?
1: Sure, it's uh, at Philadelphia one. I'm like the th- I'm third out of the four of us in terms of followers on BSH Radio. So I would like to boost that number up a little bit. <laughs> at you Philadelphia first, one. Folks. Steph and Charlie are crushing
3: me.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure we got a ways to go before we get to that. Um, but if you if you guys want to follow me at AngryJimHW, uh, make sure you give the podcast account a follow. Um, if you guys haven't seen already, we're doing the HW Takeover on the Angry and Negative Show with Dan of Brotherly Pod on Thursday. And that's it. Big week here for HW. We had Bill on tonight. Bill, thanks once again. We're going to wrap up, guys, and hopefully we're talking about three wins again next week. Go for e-